All right. Hey, everybody. Stuart Anderson here for the Miguele podcast. We just finished uh, interviewing Brianne Nalder with Plan 7 Coaching. She's a nutritional specialist as well as a pro cyclist. So fun talking to her about her experiences and everything that she's seen and learned from her years in professional cycling. She's now a, a registered dietitian and nutritionalist and shares her top five mistakes that she sees amateur cyclists making in her field of work. So really fun hour we spend with her talking about all things nutrition. As always, we're very grateful to Hangar 15 and the whole crew up on Wasatch Boulevard for taking care of the Miduele team. This episode is sponsored by them, Hangar 15 and our team bike Specialized. We're grateful for them and their support throughout the years in making us uh, who we are today. So uh, we're going to get right into it. Grateful to have you. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks. All right. Welcome to the Miduele podcast. Stuart Anderson here. Uh, so excited. This episode has been weeks in the making. Um, I'm joined today with my beautiful wife, Kristen Anderson. Oh, she's shaking her head. Mrs. Duele, as she's been known. Welcome, Kristen. Hello. Hello. And we're also joined by Plan 7 coach, Brianne Nalder. Welcome, Brianne. Thanks. We're glad you're here. Uh, super excited. We're going to talk today all about nutrition and, uh, we're going to talk about Brianne and her, uh, life as a cyclist for the last, I don't How long is your, do we call it a career? 20 years? I mean, how long do we say you're, <laughs> I consider my career when I was actually paid to, to ride a bike. Uh, so I, I raced professionally for six years, 20, okay. 2013 through 18. Nice. Uh, Okay. Kristen, yes. welcome. Thanks. What's up? Hey. Just living the dream. You are. You uh, Really grateful to have some new, a new host, <clears throat> a hostess, I guess we call you. So mm-hmm. uh, Kristen is, we're married and uh, she's been riding on the team. Well, I mean, since I have, so for the last seven years and a uh, very illustrious career, which includes two podium, <laughs> two, two podiums at Lotija very proud of you and uh really just um i'm grateful to have her on because she has an incredible perspective on women and cycling same as brianne so i'm grateful to have you on to kind of bounce ideas that i forget and don't think about on the podcast today uh brianne i've got a short um bio from her but i wanted to include (laughs) when i first met her she probably doesn't remember but it was honestly one of the worst days of my human existence i had come home from a week at scout camp at camp steiner and then i arrived at the ultimate challenge saturday morning and thought that that would be like the best idea to end my week of camping on do you remember that ultimate challenge where we like started at the rio grande we went up over big oh we went up over big mountain that was the hardest ultimate challenge to date for sure that year oh it was awful. And my blood was pumping full of like hot dogs and scout brownies. <laughs> and then you and Dave passed me on that last little bit going up guardsman pass. And you were like, ha keep going. You're doing it. And I was like, you can tip over. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God. I've learned, I- I've learned since having a baby and people coming by me and saying, keep going, you can do it. And me wanting to jam my cleat in their butt. 
Mm -hmm. I will never do that again because it feels like junk when people say that to you. It doesn't make you feel better. No. Ever. It's not helpful. It's not helpful. It it humbled me huge when I was like trying to get up like immigration because I was just barely back on the bike. And so I was like, you can do it. And I was like, I hate you. You want to flip them off? You're like, (laughs) just. Do you know who I am? I I mean, I thought that, but then thought, who am I? I don't even know anymore. So I'm sorry well, I, that, but I hope no, that it inspired you to ride harder. It did. It was very inspiring <laughs> to see somebody at that point in that day be so calm. And I was just like, I think Dave was even like coaching you. He was like, okay, in a minute, we're going to do an interval. And I'm like, <laughs> what? It was a training ride for Brianne. She's just out there to have fun. Um, I met Brianne too. We went and I met you at plan seven for, uh, I, I really didn't know you very well. Yeah. Um, but I found you on the, it was like on the internet and we did a, a nutritional consultation and Kristen did the same, um, which was really fun to sit down and get a, a, a training plan from you for um, nutrition. Uh, Brianne earned her BS in biology and, uh, and a master's degree in nutrition and sports dietetics from the university of Utah. She's a licensed registered dietitian nutritionalist and RDN and is also certified through the American Council of Exercise and Group Fitness, Personal Training, and Pilates. Do you do Pilates somewhere? Like, are you training that? I, I stream online. I actually have a YouTube channel. No um, way. Mm-hmm. But pre-COVID, yes, I've been teaching Pilates for about as long as I've been riding bikes. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Okay, now this is the paragraph we just talked about. Get ready. As a Plan 7 endurance coach, uh, Brianne raced for the DNA Pro Cycle Team, and her accolades include second and third place in the USA Cycling Hill Climb National Championship in 2016 and 2017, third place podium in 2015 at the Tour of Gilia. Is that how I say it? Tour of the Gila. Tour of the Gilia. (laughs) <laughs> Top amateur finisher at the U.S. Pro National Race in 2014 and was awarded, I love this, Most Aggressive Rider at the Tour of Utah Women's Edition in 2014. Brianne has had podium or top 10 finishes in NRC and UCI races such as Cascade Cycling Classic, Redlands Classic Stage Race, and the Mount Hood Classic. She was the overall UCA points leader in 2013, state time trial and hill climb champion in 2013, 14, and 2018. Oh, no. She was on the TTT team at, World, at the World Championships in 2015 and rode in many UCI races. You're going to have to help me with that one. You do it. Oh, the, the Tour de Feminine Ardèche. Very good. Uh, the go, and then I can't say that one either. Uh, in Canada... Uh, Gatineau. Oh, Gatineau. Gatineau. Grand Prix in Canada, the Philly International Classic, the U.S. Pro Challenge, the Vuelta. Oh, man, I can't say that. Salista in El Salvador. El Salvador. Uh, On gravel, Brianne has been on the podium at Crusher multiple times, and she won the Rebecca's Private Idaho race in 2017. She now represents Plan 7 as a local rider and strives to develop women racing in all disciplines as a women advocate for Trek SLC. And the coolest part is been watching you. I mean, 
my I've loved watching your social media with your sweet little baby. So it's been so cool to watch you and Dave have a baby and like transition into what that's like. And uh, I just takes a lot of courage to have a kid as a professional athlete. Not that I would know, but um, what I've watched and the changes that come, but you guys made a pretty sweet little kid. So I guess it's easy to have a, a baby when she's so cool. <laughs> How we so. feel. Thanks. It's <laughs> definitely a whole new type of endurance and fatigue that I never knew existed. You guys, I'm sure can attest to. Uh huh. But yeah, it's wonderful, and it's just a new chapter, and we're getting old and tired anyway. So maybe let's start a family. Why not? Like, Ready to go. <laughs> um, maybe you could start with where this kind of started, like how you got into life as a cyclist. Is that a good place for you to start? Sure. I can give the short and sweet version. Um, I was, I've always been an athlete. My dad was a professional football player. Um, and my mom is like fitter than any woman you'd ever meet. So she, she was actually, remember the Robach, the Reebok um, competitions, like dance aerobics yes she was like national championship dance aerobics for <laughs> money. i know it's so crazy um and then my stepdad's a professional skier and he rode bikes and i always rode recreationally but i played volleyball in high school and college you'd never believe that if you know me i'm short um <laughs> for a volleyball player but i was a back row player and i was a little powerhouse in the back as a defense specialist and when that ended I still wanted to compete and like didn't have anything to train. So I started riding bikes with my stepdad and I was really good at going uphill for some reason, probably because I was a power athlete before and spent most of my life in a squat position. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I just resonated like hill climbing. And my stepdad said, you should do this race with me this weekend. And no joke, I was on his mountain bike. We put slick tires on it and did the snowbird hill climb and i won my age group and was like i want a road bike and <laughs> never looked back i guess so that's what got me into it and I, I don't know i just when i finished uh i i was racing locally through uh grad school and that's when i got pretty good pretty quickly the, the current field if any of you remember in like 2010 to 2013 around that time the women's field was like pretty legit we had at least 20 uh one twos in all in all the races and it was it was really competitive yeah, yeah. we i mean every, taylor wiles uh alicia i don't want to just sit and name drop alicia welsh nicole evans these girls all went and raced internationally on pro teams and then some of the, our local legends like Tiff Pizzullo and KK, all these girls, and it was competitive. We had the Park City team, the Ski Utah team. Um, that's when I, the team I was on then. Um, so then 2013, I finished grad school and I was like, all right, I'm gonna start my life. And I got a call from the Kims and they said, we're starting the women's pro team out of Utah. Do you wanna be on it? And I was like, yeah, I got time. <laughs> Let's do that instead. <laughs> Luckily, my coach, Mr. Harward, upon my graduation said, why don't you 
help me with nutrition because all of my athletes ask me nutrition questions all the time. So let's make you the plan seven nutrition coach. So I got my dream job right out of school, was able to race anytime I needed time off. It was like, hey, coach slash boss, I'm leaving the country for a month. Okay. So I really lucked out that I was able to work in my field while racing. And then you just read some of the things that I yeah. was able to experience and accomplish in my career. And I know that nutrition, since that's what we're talking about today, it's why I went into it. I wanted to learn how to fuel myself properly because I was fueling myself as a power athlete and not going as fast as I wanted to. So I went and saw a dietitian and learned a bunch and decided that I would change my career path. And that's what made me go into nutrition school and made it kind of a goal to not have any other women experience what I did, at least anyone that I worked with, um, help navigate how to fuel ourselves with all the other lady stuff that comes with it. It's what I did my master's thesis on is energy availability and bone density and all the things that come with endurance athletics as we tear our bodies apart for fun. So fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's healthy. Absolutely. As long as we fuel it. What, um, I mean, looking back on your career as a cyclist, is there anything that really stands out um, best moments, worst moments? Is there anything like looking back on those races that you would uh, not do over, but just stuff where you're like, oh, that that was a, a real highlight of what happened to me. Oh man, narrowing down. I guess what first comes to mind, um, being a part of that that tour in France, it's, no, it's not very well known because women's pro cycling isn't that well known, but besides the Giro d'Italia, it's essentially the female version of a tour de France um, it's eight days or sorry seven days eight stages in the Ardèche and the year that I competed we were the first professional women's race to summit Mont Ventoux nice. so that was super cool and it was the year that do you remember in the Tour de France when Chris Froome had to hike his bike because yeah. he had it. He like hit the motorbike and yeah, yeah and his bike over his shoulder and ran up Mount Ventoux. <laughs> we were there a few weeks later and the chalk was still on the road and they weren't able to summit because of the winds. They cut the race short for the men's tour. And when we came, we got to go all the way up and have a hilltop finish. On, and they, they called Mount Ventoux the moon because it's like moon dust crazy cool so that was probably just as far as overall if you're a cycling fan and and watch these things it was like almost surreal to get to race up this mountain finish on top see all this i mean there's helicopters and cameras and it was just like whoa this is so rad and i i beat the girl in the polka dot jersey and she was really pissed i know so i had one of my yes. It doesn't sound that cool, but a top 20 in a UCI race like that was really big for me. Um, and so like I came across the line, I just should like send you pictures to post with this. Of, like I'm beaming coming across the top and there's like girls behind me like snotting and pissed. <laughs> so it's like, this is so cool. So, That's awesome. I guess that would be like the sole highlight of mm. culmination of like, I love climbing mountains and I got to do that one. Up there, do that. Nice, awesome, such a good story. Thanks. Um, 
we talked earlier uh, before we got on uh, when Kristen met Brianne um, for the first time. Kristen, why don't you uh, kind of introduce your <laughs> experience and um, anyway, your story. Go ahead. Okay. Um, first time I had an encounter with Brianne, I think it was my first ultimate challenge. And um, we came in after riding around like up around Midway into Park City off the bike, bathroom break, refill break before we had to hit the empire climb. And I'm standing there filling my bottles and I see this tiny little blonde cut off shorts, come out of this car and along the side of the building was a group of grown men. Not me dwellers. Not me dwellers who had decided not to go around the back of the building where the porta potties were, but to just drop trout and pee on the side of this school building. And here comes Brianne, <laughs> walkie talkie in hand, yelling at these guys like their five-year-olds getting busted with their pants down on the playground because they're peeing on the side of a school that she worked to get the permits mm -hmm. for. And it was so funny to just see her come after these like grown men and have them. Oh, 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 like, sorry, we're not supposed to pee out here. Like, so that was my first encounter with Brienne. Um, and then I think maybe was it like a year, a little over a year ago? Um, I went to see Brienne to help me sort of dial in my nutrition on the bike and off the bike. Um, and that was great. That was great too. We, we did like the full consultation um, and it was fun to talk to her because I do think there's definitely a gap uh, between male cyclists and female cyclists and the way that they have to uh, fuel and uh, recover um, all the things that go into like a month in a female's training is completely different than like what I've seen men be able to do. So um, being able to talk to Brianne who has not only raced through it, she's kind of seen like the worst of what not to do. Here's the pitfall and the best of like, this is what's really going to help you perform. So yeah. um, that's kind of been my relationship with Brianne up to date. Um, yeah. Money. Brianne, um, maybe we could launch into um, what, what you've seen um, in cycling from your career and also personally and how nutrition plays. I mean, I know you, you have the passion for it. So that's why it's going to be fun to talk about, but how does it all relate um, to a cyclist when it comes to nutrition? On, on, and I only ask this question because um, I don't want to speak for most amateur cyclists, but most amateur cyclists, in my opinion, see nutrition as, well, if I eat less and train harder, that that's how it works. That is the key to cycling success is Be if, I'm, if I'm thin and, and, and I don't eat and then I work real hard, like Tyler Hamilton told me to in his book to eat celery and soda water after I train, then I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to kill, I'm going to crush. So what's your, give us your philosophy. Well, Tyler Hamilton also took drugs to enhance his performance. So how do you want to listen? Uh, did I say that? Sorry. Okay. You did. <laughs> Uh, not sorry, because I think it's important to um, first 
thanks for all the introduction and stories. That was really fun. <laughs> uh, because a lot of cycling is so cool. Relationships that we develop and encounters that we have, right? It's all, in a, it's all a culmination of our experiences because especially it goes into nutrition, right? Trial and error. We've all bonked probably multiple times or wish we would have brought this with us or wish we would have stopped at that feed zone or whatever the case um, or learn something later or I feel so much better now that I blank, right? So it's such a huge category and yes, it's my passion. Um, I do feel like I have a little bit of an edge compared to just, oh, I've talked to a nutritionist because I've walked the walk for a long time. I've pedaled the pedal. <laughs> um, and on multiple, like from everything from getting going uh, to fueling through stage after stage, race after race for entire seasons and the accumulation. Uh, what I want to say to your point, Stu, when you said that there's um, this amateur way of looking at things, um, I don't think that it's only amateurs who look at cycling as be skinny, go faster. I think that's pretty common throughout. And there are professional athletes who don't fuel properly. And whether it's a gap because of where they live or education that they have or not, um, my point being the human body is very resilient and we can get through a lot. We can mentally dig ourselves through things that even physically we maybe mathematically shouldn't be able to. And so we can get away with things for some time. But back to my point of we've all bonked, we've all had issues where we have to take some time off the bike because maybe it, we dug in too deep and took ourselves over the edge and we get sick or we're just so tired we can't turn the pedals, right? So my goal is to help educate and learn how to fuel yourself for every type of workout, how to recover properly so that you can train day after day and in turn of that maybe lose a few pounds and increase your power. But the whole point isn't to starve yourself and ride more so short term, yeah, you might lose a few pounds and have a few good workouts, but then you're hosed. And if you're nodding or smiling, it's because we've all done it. And then we fall off the, we were doing so good. And then holidays came or I just ate a bunch again. And then I gained those pounds back and then my power went up, but then my weight was like, so we go through these roller coasters. And so I'd really love to speak more about it being consistency, fueling your body for what you're doing on the day you're doing it and take each day as a, as an entire unit. And I think that's, I hope that answers what you were asking is like, yes, how is it applied to my life? But then also what, what my whole purpose is of my job. So my cycling career, but also my, my current career, um, again, is to teach athletes how to fuel themselves for what they're doing and include cross-training and goals and any food preferences, intolerances. There's so many pieces to the puzzle. We could talk for days. Good. We're going to have a series. We're going to have a multiple episode series. <laughs> I just okay. opened that up, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you could, uh, I kind of asked Brianne before we came on uh, to, to write down the five major mistakes. So if these could be like five quick takeaways that anybody listening could take away uh, that she sees most often. So 
biggest mistakes or uh, things you see cyclists making with nutrition? Okay. Um, I don't have the sheet in front of me, so you might have to remind me what I said. I think the first one I said is hydration. Yep. Okay. I just, it's, it's number one. We have, we always talk about carbs, fat, and proteins as our macros. Um, this is just my own, if I were to write a book, I'd say the fourth or the first most important macronutrient is hydration. Hydration does not just mean water. It's our electrolyte balance. And it is the key to staying on top of our workouts. Hydrate, especially where we live. We live at altitude, we live in a dry place and we sweat. Okay, so our hydration status is huge. You can change your hydration status within 30 minutes. And so if you're dehydrated, you gotta guzzle some water um, bef before you even get on the bike. But um, I can go through all the science things, but just to answer the, the question, hydration, totally the, in my opinion, most important thing to pay attention to and focus on first. Um, but wait, do we want the science, Kristen? How long will science take? I kind of want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I guess, the non-science part is, I'll ask you guys, do you know how to test your hydration status? No. Kristen? Kristen? I don't know. No. You have to look at your pee. Okay. Well, I, that's what I would say. Like, I, I mean, I didn't know if that was like the science way. <laughs> no, that's the non-science non part. So without knowing anything, Take a look at your pee. It should be the color of lemonade, a light yellow. If it's clear, you're hydrated, but you don't have electrolytes, mm. okay? okay? Which means you need to pound a bottle of mix. If it's darker than lemonade, you're dehydrated and you need to pound a bunch of water. And you literally can change your own hydration status. It takes about 30 minutes to get through your kidneys, filter things out and balance them out. So even before you get on the bike, your morning potty, check your hydration. Um, so that's the non-science, super that's easy. Good. Way. That's great. That's good. <laughs> and, um, and then as far as like numbers, it's really just one to two bottles an hour, at least one of those bottles being mixed, mm -hmm. especially if you're on the indoor trainer. It's winter right now. So I think it's really important to emphasize Chris and I, you do my house a lot stuff in the morning and I say like every single break after an interval, drink, 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 mm -hmm. drink. Cause when we're sitting stationary and we don't have wind cooling us down, our body's working twice. Even if you've got fans on you, you're just, you know, you sweat so much more, right? So it's not just water. You're losing electrolytes. That's why sweat is salty, right? So we have to be replenishing as we go. Otherwise after about 60 minutes, we're depleted of our electrolytes. We're depleted of our glycogen and our muscle source. And so if you're doing anything longer than an hour, you're, you're just digging yourself a grave. You're not gonna train as hard. You're not, you're not gonna be able to produce the watts. It, you're just turning your muscles into beef jerky. So I always think of that as like, if they dry out oh, and shrivel up, right? Cramping or not, Gross. you're not gonna get the most out of your muscles if they're if they're dry and solid, right? Yeah. We yeah. them nice and lubricated. <laughs> Plump. Plump and full of water. Yes. Plump is good. Not a shriveled up baked potato. You don't like want a, raisin muscles. Like a slim gym for thighs. Yep. 
don't, and so that kind of leads into my other, um, I think my second biggest mistake that we make nutritionally as, as endurance athletes is, and I kind of tapped on this earlier, not fueling ourselves for our effort. Yeah. And Stu, uh, so you tapped on this at the very beginning, it's this training mindset that I don't really know where it came from, whether it's from influence of other writers or it just makes sense to us somehow that, well, if I train on an empty stomach or if I don't eat gels or blocks or anything during, or I don't drink, like then I'm just gonna burn what I have in storage and then I'll be skinny and fast. Er, that was like a buzzer, it was bad. Um, just like the idea of trying to ride on beef jerky muscles, if you don't have gas in your tank, it's going to putter out, right? And yes, our body can pull from what it has in storage, but it's still that rule of thumb only for a max of 60 minutes. So if you're a first thing in the morning, you're a five or 6 a.m. rider, you could probably get away with what you had for dinner the night before. But it's super important that if you're doing anything over an hour, that you've at least got a bottle of mix. You should have that anyway, but get a couple bites of banana down something, put a little gas in your tank, or even think of it as coal on your fire. You're going to burn stronger, better, and longer with gas in your tank. And then once you get over an hour, you have to keep putting gas in, keep putting coals on your flame so it burns strong. You'll burn more calories while you ride, you'll recover better. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, restrict calories, but ride at a lower level. Right. So I guess it's kind of a wash, but wouldn't you rather ride stronger and do, do better? Yes. I know it sounds so simple, but we get in this mindset of, well, I'm just training. Okay. Well, don't you want to train your body to perform as it would in a race? Yes. So, so when I hear things like, well, I don't like mix or it doesn't taste right. So if we only have it on race day or on a big event day, then our body isn't used to it. It doesn't know how to utilize that extra amount of carbs and electrolytes that it's going to use to perform. And so it might not taste right or, or feel awesome at the beginning. And then, it, then we get into the conversation of, are you using the right mix for you? Is it the right amount of electrolytes? Is it salty? Is it sweet? That's a whole other conversation. But the general thought is um, practice. That's what training means. Practice your fueling during training, the same way you practice high cadence, the same way you practice standing up and surging, right? <laughs> we want to practice fueling our body so that when we do have big events, it's clockwork. Our body is used to it. It responds. We're going we're gonna to utilize our nutrients properly. Oh. Brianne, I love, I love when I came to you, like one of the things that you said to me that I love, and I've actually said it to people I've been writing with is- People, you say it to me. All the time to Stu. Okay, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna call him out because he's the king of dumping gasoline on his fire because he's waited to the point where if you if you if you hit that point where you start to feel sluggish, like you're like behind, your body's already, and so then they dump this gasoline on the fire as opposed to like what Brienne said is if you're slowly feeding and stoking the fire throughout your whole ride, you never have to hit that point where you panic feed and hope it works. I don't do that anymore. 
But I think there's a lot of people who will wait till they hit that wall and then be like, oh, I need to eat something and it's too late. And it's, it's human nature. It, it, we don't do something until we have a sensation. And so we do, we have to train it. Um, until you're triggered to have to pee, you're not going to go to the toilet and pee. That was a really right. horrible parallel. Uh, let me think of a better <laughs> one. Um, but until we are triggered to drink, until we're thirsty, we might not reach down and grab our bottle. So if it helps, set a timer. The same yeah. thing you said, timers to do intervals, right? I know that on, on our smart trainers, it's just like, oh, the power is there. I better pedal against it. So it's a little bit easier. I always say it's easier to train than it is to fuel because it's a conscious effort all the time. And um, what Kristen was referring to was I said, like waiting until your flame goes way down and then dumping a bunch of gas on it. And that is like classic cycling of get through the workout. Oh, I did so awesome. And I only took in hundred calories, but I burned 7,000. And then I went and ate a whole pizza. Well, okay. I'm exaggerating, but again, the concept of waiting until you've gone all the way to empty and then being so starving and all you want is salt, fat, liquid. Like if you, if you're someone who wants chips and salsa, after you ride immediately, it's because you didn't get enough. What are the three things? In salt, fat, salt, and carbs. Right. Right. Um, so you'll find that you don't have those post-ride super hungries and end up eating your whole pantry at 10 p.m. because you're underfueled all day long. And then you went to work and tell us things and you're using brain fuel and you're depleted, depleted, depleted. It is not a positive way to recover to give your muscles, brain, blood cells, everything, the nutrients back that you've depleted, you're gonna have such a better success by fueling while you're doing it within that time window than trying to play catch up all the rest of the day. Is that me dinging? Who's right. I don't it's, know. It's okay. No, it's me, it's me. Okay. My, my phone's on silent, but my computer gets- You're good. <laughs> um, I turned them off. Sorry if that just blew your ears out. <laughs> no, it's okay. I thought um, it was mine. So does that make sense? It's yeah. I'm saying the same thing in different ways of, of fueling your body for what you do, which would be my second mistake. Well, the one so it thing, depends on intensity and duration is always how we want to look at things. The the one thing I how love about this. Uh, the one oh. thing that I, oh so sorry, when I muted You good? Yeah, I muted um you as well. Let me just Okay. okay. I think okay. we're good. The one thing I love about um, this concept that you just said is that imagine like you're going to put a hundred percent of your effort into, tra into training. So I'm going to, I'm going to arrive at a trainer or whatever, and I'm going to give a hundred and all, all, all my effort. Okay. But unbeknownst to you, because like you've hydrated wrong or fueled wrong, what you are thinking is the best effort is in fact, not the best effort. And so the training becomes like, not that good. You're not, you're actually not producing the power that you're capable of. And so you're not seeing the gains that are necessary or available just because you've decided to sit on a trainer and just not drink anything and just sweat absolutely buckets of water. Um, that's what I think is most is the coolest part about this is, it's not like losing weight or being fit or whatever. I mean, you're just not getting 
what you could out of the machine that that's that's possible if you just ate and fueled right and for me i'm like why would i expend all this energy to train and then the training's really not that good like that sucks as an older person like i don't have tons of energy i would say i spend at least double the amount of energy on my nutrition like mm. daily than I do on the thought of training on the bike. Like for me, it has become nutrition first. And then it's almost like the cycling part is the easy part for me. I know I can do that. It's fun. I enjoy it. I can go and work hard. But if, if my nutrition's off, then mentally I'm off and I get on the bike and I like, I've become so sensitive to it that I feel like it throws my training off. If I know my nutrition is off, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Sure. That I feel like the nutrition aspect has become such a thing for me that that is like my focus. And I, and I want to make sure that that's on point so that when it's time to get on the bike, my brain can go to that and not worry. Oh, I ate like crap. I'm going to feel like crap. I'm going to ru-. like, I don't even think about it because I know I have fueled and I'm going to get on the bike and I'm just going to ride as best as I can that day. And I appreciate you saying that because I think it gives it some anecdote to, yes, I can preach all of, all of this. And it makes sense when we say it out loud, but Kristen, from your experience, and I'm not saying just since you worked with me, but just since you've been cognizant of putting that gas in your tank, I'd love to know, do you feel better? Do you feel like you make more gains because you focus on your fueling? Yes, like a hundred percent. And, and now it's become something for me that is almost, it, it allows like, even my mental game is so much more on point because I am like, I know that I've invested the time in the nutrition. So if my body doesn't perform, it is not because of my nutrition. It's because of something else. Like, so for me, I, I think like there'd been times this season, if I came home from a super long, hard ride and I wasn't starving, and I, and I just felt like it was like a normal day from the time I got off the bike to bed that I just ate like I would normally eat. I knew that I did what I was supposed to do before my ride and during my ride so that when I got home, I didn't feel like I needed to eat the whole refrigerator. And so that is something as like I've done it and I've learned that it's just become, that's what I'm saying. That's where my focus now goes. It's shifted to how important it is to feed myself so that I can get the maximum amount out of this machine when I get on the bike. I just think a lot of people look at it. I rode, I rode, I rode and I, I burned 5,000 calories. So now I can eat whatever I want the rest of the day because I did all this hard work. But then the next day it's like, okay, well, your body's not ready to do the hard work anymore because you depleted it so poor, like so much. So I think it's, it's like flip-flopped for me. Good. And that's a, that's a really good point. And, um, <clears throat> I think lends to one of my other uh, notes on when you asked me the five uh, mistakes that we make is um, recovery. And it's important to recover and to recover well. It's why, it's why sport products exist. So getting um, a proper recovery in within 30 minutes of finishing, you shouldn't be starving and have to have it, but just that, um, you know, a bottle, it also starts to rehydrate you, but a, a scoop of your favorite recovery mix, 
um, or, or a smoothie, however you like to do it within 20 to 30 minutes of finishing an effort. That's when your muscles, those beef jerky muscles are like, and they just slurp it all up and they start repairing because what you do, it's different than weightlifting with endurance athletics. We're tearing down muscle, but because it's fast twitch, we're turning and turning, turning, but you're doing thousands of revolutions and calories are one thing, but that's when we're replenishing those micronutrients that help repair and rebuild muscle tissue. And so I think for another day, we talk about the specifics of macros and timing. Right now we're talking about the big, the big picture of just fueling your body for what you're doing. And again, we'll be talking for the next five hours if I get into how many grams of carbs and how much during and what, how many grams of protein after and should I be having fat or not? All that stuff is, is a whole other session. But I think to the point of recovery is as is important as our pre-ride fuel, our hydration and continuing to fuel during, and then that recovery after it's like the three basics and um, <laughs> when you were talking, Kristen, it reminded me of an, of an idea I like to pose and maybe if it helps put it into a bit more perspective and maybe those of you listening can resonate with this pattern we get into of, but I did so good. I, I rode in the morning, I barely ate all day, but then I go home and like you said, I ate my whole pantry. So. We're playing catch up, but also what happens there is we're putting a bunch of gas in our tank to go to sleep. We don't need energy to go to sleep. We need energy to get through our day. So then we don't wake up hungry because we just spent the past hopefully eight hours of sleeping digesting all of that food. If you took in the bulk of your food before bedtime, we're breaking it down. Yes, we're going to use, it's still good to to get your fuel. But if we're talking about performance enhancement, you should wake up hungry. That's why, I mean, back to like nutrition 101, breaking your fast at breakfast, getting some energy going, rev up your engine, ride through it. So changing our patterns, I think a lot of you might have some really unexpected successes just by thinking about getting energy around when you need it and you might not be as hungry or have those cravings for salt or sweets at night that put you in that vicious cycle of eating too much at night, not waking up hungry, lather, rinse, repeat, right? You just get in this wash machine cycle of, and, and it's okay, you can still do it, you can still do your ride every day, but are you getting maximum benefit? What about that word, breakfast? What about, what about it? What about that? You just blew Stu's mind with like the breakdown what of the break world? the fast. I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to stop right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's amazing. What an idiot. Sorry. Did, was that the first time you've thought, heard that? I mean that, I can legitimately say that's the first time that concept has ever been <laughs> presented that way. Awesome. Then awesome. there's your, there's your main takeaway for, for today. <laughs> um, Okay, Brianne, so you did talk about cheat. Do you want to talk more about cheat days? That was on your notes here. Is that kind of they, what you... They lend to each other. So the other two okay. that I listed as common mistakes that endurance athletes, specifically cyclists, make. Um, one was, I think I said fasting or even keto. And yes. that could be another whole podcast if you want. Um, and it 
they kind of, these all go hand in hand, right? They're kind of all the same mistakes, not fueling for what you're doing or fasting or only eating fat wow. when you need other, you need balance, right? So um, that's just a, like extreme diets, whether it's keto or not. <laughs> and you're curious, I wrote an article, it was published in Cycling Utah, but I have it on um, ketogenic diet and the negative effects. So if you've mm. had some positive effects, please talk to me and I will help you understand your long-term negative effects with that. Mm. That's all I wanna say. But just think about Atkins and how when we all ate too much protein, it wasn't good. So fast forward a few years from now and a bunch of people are gonna have heart disease from eating all fat. I only eat cheese when I ride. <laughs> and then you vomit. Um, so um, just the mistake, of, that's more the mistake of over overdoing an extreme, right? Anything to an extreme is gonna lead to an imbalance somewhere else. And the last one I said was having a cheat day. I know that there's a lot of philosophies out there, books you read, articles and stuff that talk about do really good six days a week and let yourself have a cheat day. Um, but that really takes away from this same concept of fuel your body for what you do. So if you have a rest day and you eat a gazillion unhealthy calories on a day that you're not exercising, I mean, if you just really say that out loud to yourself, does that seem um, indicative of progress? Because all that does is slow your metabolism down, confuse your body. You give it a bunch of fuel and unnecessary fuel. I shouldn't even, maybe fuel is the wrong word. You just give it junk because you're it's your one cheat day. And so you're super strict all week. And then you eat donuts and ice cream on one day a week. Because you're athletic and you burn a lot of calories, you probably don't have like a huge body change in one day. So again, human body is quite resilient. You can get away with it. But when we're talking performance, all that's going to do is throw off your electrolyte balance, throw off your hydration. Your body's going to be digesting oddly. And then it just a case of the Mondays. And then you get exactly. And it does take, here's a fun little fact. Uh, it takes uh, about 48 hours. Some people faster, some a little slower, but in on average, 48 hours to properly recover. So if Saturday is your huge workout day, whether it's summer race, Fondo, huge whiff ride, you're recovering on Monday. That's why a lot of people take Monday off, or if you're a Sunday off person, that's fine too. But Monday can be a lighter effort because it takes our bodies um, anything. If we're doing like three hours plus, it takes that long to to recover and where you, it takes 36 hours to digest and get through the whole digestive process. So it's not just what you're eating at the immediate time. Having something like a cheat day after a big hard effort. Yeah. Calories. You can count it and add it and say, I burned 7,000. I ate 7,000, but quality and quantity come into play and it really does make a difference in your long run. So yeah. I personally would say, a cheat day is not beneficial to you having increased performance on the bike. Well, well, and don't you think like with an active person, it's just smarter to just allow yourself the little things that you love during the week, as opposed to like dumping them all into one day. And just like, it's like, you're just, like you said, you're, you're supposed to recover on maybe it's Sunday and you're just like, Oh, I eat what I want. Cause I worked hard all week. And then 
Monday rolls around and you have to recover from your recovery day because you've eaten crap. Whereas if you would have just said like, I'm just going to eat what I feel like, not like everything you feel like, but you know what I'm saying? Like you allow yourself to have these little things during the week, as opposed to giving yourself this like 24 hour period to just dump junk in. Yeah. And that's where we get into the mental component of all this. It's not as easy as just, yeah, feel your body for what you're doing. Like, okay, so can I have a cookie? Like, right. She just said, don't have, I'm I'm saying don't have a cheat day. Allow yourself a cookie because you had a hard ride. Okay. And then have that cookie. Don't have 17 cookies. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Or or do, but, but pick and choose. You'll eat when you feel the benefits of good fuel and you enjoy your treats when you have your treats, just, just balance them out. But when we deprive ourselves to a point of no sugar, I'm just going to give another extreme example. All we're thinking about is can't have, I can't have this. I can't do it. I can't, can't, can't. What if we did that for our intervals? Like no, I don't know, no high cadence. (laughs) Yeah, like no climbing mountains. You just right. no, no climbing. No hills. Yeah, deprive yourself of that because why? <laughs> like, uh, and so when we put it with food, we do. We have emotional and um, deep seated ties with different foods and feelings, and so acknowledging even that. Of why is this important to me? Why am I having this craving? Is it because my body actually needs sugar because it's been deprived? Okay, answer that. Do I need chocolate because I need some fat and sugar? Sure. Measure it out. Make sure it's an appropriate amount. And then don't eat three bars of chocolate because you're just going to feel like crap. After that, then regret it. And it's, again, another vicious cycle that we get ourselves into. And then get back on the bike to punish ourselves for all the chocolate that we ate. Not eat or drink during that ride. And then later that night, go, here I am again, eating a pint of ice cream. No. It's interesting how emotional it all is though. And I think, I think people don't realize how much it's tied to your psyche of what you eat really does dictate how you feel, which then dictates how you ride. And then it's the cycle that starts daily with why did I do that? Or I can't do that now. Or, I mean, it's just this like, and all of that creates an emotional drama around this like idea of how you're fueling yourself when really it should be, how do I eat the best to perform the best to feel the best. And then I think it starts to switch with that emotional tie you have to like restricting yourself or rewarding yourself or whatever. The reward is in the gains and the reward comes in how you feel. Does that make sense? Like internally, like you start to feel the reward, not from the food, but from the way that you feel because you've done all the steps. And I think that's where, if you can get to that point, it you can start cutting those emotional ties with those foods that really control people in the way that they act and the way and the things that they do. I think it's extremely interesting, but anyway, yeah. I, I know we're on a podcast, so I, I'm nodding and smiling. Yes. 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 And it, it's <laughs> nice to hear you say like from, from experience and making those changes. And so I do want to point out that it's a process. You're not just going to feel perfectly on your next ride and be like, you're right. She was a genius. I'm better. Yeah. It takes time. <laughs> discipline, acknowledgement of how you're feeling the same way you don't just do one sprint workout and become a sprinter. You don't climb emigration one time and all of a sudden you're a billy goat, right? 
or mountain goat. Really goat. Either way. <laughs> what do they eat? Um, so it takes just as much practice, if not more, and self-reflection and diligence and asking questions, just like you might a coach. So that in it of itself is my job security and everybody is different. And it's the last point I want to make so I know we're getting close on time, but that each of you listening, both, I mean, husband and wife that I'm talking to, you, you had different plans. I gave you the same ideas, but you had different numbers, different ways to go about it, male, female, age, weight, height, gender, all of these things go into account. And so I'm not saying this is a plug, but sort of like contact me. That's what, what I do is I help you break it down and just decipher what your specific needs are based on how many times a week you train, how often, how hard, and what types of foods. I'm not just going to say, eat carrots and broccoli. Good luck. Right? right. So I, I want it to be kind of the, and to put it all together is that, yes, there's these general ideas and it sounds so magical. Oh, I just need to eat, eat for what I'm doing and I'll be better. Okay. Then the next step is what are the specifics? How much, how often, and what foods? Well, even, I mean, you, you even went so far when we met, I don't know if Kristen did this, but you took my, I sat on that machine that mm -hmm. tested yeah. my daily caloric burn just if I was a slug on a couch. I mean, yep. that was that, and that was incredibly insightful. So that's one yeah. thing that I like to tout that I do differently than just your average nutritionist. Um, as a licensed dietitian, I can run metabolic testing and I actually use a VO2 max machine, but I set it to VO2 at rest. You sit on a chair for 15 minutes and breathe into my machine and I can determine your daily calorie needs as well as your macro percentages. And that alone can be a huge um, change if you just learn, oh, I'm someone who has a higher metabolism than yeah. average person of my height, weight and age, I need this many grams of carbs per day, plus what I ride. So that's where we take it into the individual steps. So I think that's a good yeah. thing to point out. It determined that I needed a king size box of no, Mike Nikes every no. day. No, never. <laughs> no, but I do want to just put in one more thing, like kind of to add to what Brianna is saying about getting sort of that detailed information is a lot of what's out there and a lot of the stuff that people read or guidelines, um, I think that the average is not based either on a female's body. I know that I'm not trying to like draw a line here, but if you are a female athlete um, and you find that losing, that you're doing so much hard work, but you're just not seeing results. I think a lot of the guidelines out there are really based more on like the male athlete and the body of the male. And so it's really hard to find something that works. And I have found the most benefit from researching with someone like Brienne, who does know the differences and, and the benefits for the female athlete, as opposed to just an athlete. Like I am a female athlete. I'm not just like under the athlete umbrella. And so I think even for male athletes, finding those little things that are just you are going to make, that's going to make a huge difference because it's so personalized and Brienne can help you with I don't like this food. I can't eat this food. I love this food. How do I eat that, but still do this? And, um, and then again with females, like 
if it's a struggle, I think it's finding that personal um, information that will make the biggest difference. Nice. Yeah, thanks for um, saying that. And, and, and it is important and females, we do have to take a little bit more into consideration because of babies and hormones and things, but that's yeah. not to say that men don't have multiple systems that we have to pay attention to. Your hormone systems, men are affecting your bone density. We just, you just don't have a menstrual cycle or um, like this female athlete triad. And, and again, that's something I specialize right. in is, is we need to determine what supplements, like you could be taking way too many supplements. Are you taking the important things for an endurance athlete? Um, let's get nutrition through food. And again, that's a whole other discussion. Um, but yes, the individualized is, I think where you set yourself apart and you can read a gazillion books and articles. What it comes, comes down to is the individual yeah. for sure. For sure. I agree a hundred percent. You guys are awesome. We could <laughs> just keep, we could just keep going. I don't know if we want to end here as a good place to end or, um, Brianne, I know, uh, I asked you for your top three cycling advice broken down just like your absolute lifelong wisdom of cycling and racing. Do you want to go through them quick or should we save it for another time? That's up to you. You're, you're the boss. Host us? Mm -hmm. Let's do it. I just want to hear them. Maybe we could, uh, I don't want to say like make them short, but uh, let's hear it. You wrote down these top three. Do you remember them or do you want me to you remind me? Okay. I, so should, I one, should know my own top three. Number, 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 one, number one, consistency is key. Oh, yeah, I can, I can do these quick. I, th I think on purpose, I said like, it taps into what I said before is it's not just learning it in one ride, right? That we have to consistently focus on our hydration and electrolyte mix, our before, during and after fuel um, and create patterns. That's when our body's gonna respond the best. So being consistent in our intake and our output, as much as we're consistent about getting on the damn trainer every day, right now, um, we need to be as consistent with our nutrition and fueling. Absolutely. Work hard, recover harder. Yeah. That's my favorite line. Uh, it's not nutrition related, but as a coach and athlete myself, I cannot stress enough. We do the work, but are you recovering? Are you resting? Are you acknowledging that your body needs as much rest as it needs to perform? And I just pose it as a question but we have to put effort into recovering. Do not feel guilty on a day off. Right. It's okay. In fact, you recharge your muscle. If your muscles are always in teardown mode, how are they ever going to build up? You've yeah. got to let them recover. And it's not giving you a hall pass to like, oh, I got to recover harder. I'm going to not ride five days. None of you are going to do that anyway, right? It's in our hard wiring. It's why we're endurance athletes. We love to do the work. So focusing on recovery can be as big of a challenge. And so I, I, that's why I put it as a key point of something that's really important. Is I, love, I love that. Getting that rest. Uh, last one, realistic goal setting. Yeah. And again, they all come hand in hand, being consistent, recovering, and um, setting realistic goals. I'm not going to set a goal to run a marathon next week. I haven't been running, right? That makes perfect sense. Yeah, that'd be a dumb goal. But when it comes to nutrition, maybe a realistic goal is like drink two bottles an hour. Set a good goal that you can actually accomplish. Trying to make do a 180 or set 17 goals 
all at once, you're just setting yourself up for failure. And then there's that guilt and regret and, oh, I'll start next week. And all these things happen. And this is perfect timing. We're right about um, New Year's and resolutions. Um, I have a little process for goal setting. If anyone's interested, contact me. But simplicity is, I really like the three words, measurable, attainable, and positive. Mm -hmm. So setting those, setting goals, and then ask yourself if you can answer those three words, um, you're going to be on a better path to success. And focus on like one a week, right? Because I, I try to make a cycling parallel the same way, like do sprints. Okay. <laughs> How do you measure that? Is it attainable? Is it a positive thing? Right. Um, no cookies, right. That's not That's really not positive. a attainable positive goal. You're just thinking about what you're not doing. Yeah. So set yourself realistic goals that you can accomplish. And if you need help, hire a coach. I love that. <laughs> because we'll help people set and accomplish them realistically <laughs> for real and, and it's somebody it's somebody on the outside that can see you uh, and help it's spot so on right the objective eye can sometimes be your biggest help yeah i love it cabrian i feel like you're coming back for more i mean we gotta have we gotta have more on macros we gotta have more on long day race prep we gotta have more on i mean we gotta have it all i want all of it maybe this is gonna be a <laughs> it's gonna be awesome yes um if you want to connect with brianne uh plan7coaching.com is is that the best hub for them for people to yeah that's our website it kind of shows all the things we do um you guys are already a team we wouldn't take away from like sure we we fly our flag of p7ds and everything but i think it's great to show like this is a community and if you want to work on nutrition, hit me up individually. Brianna at plan7coaching.com is my email. Um, but that's on the website as well. So it's probably the easiest landing spot. But shoot me, shoot me questions if you want a metabolic test, um, anything like that. I know it's a little bit weird with COVID, but I do have uh, safety protocols and I'm doing them out of a um, facility now. It's not just um, in our studio or at Utah Sport and Wellness and um, – able to do things quite safely and efficiently. So if that's something you want to do to really set off your 2021 training and goals and things, I think it's a great way to start. Awesome. Thank you so much for your day, for your time. It's like the busiest time of year. So we are grateful. Kristen, thank you for being my wife. Just kidding. Thanks for joining. (laughs) And (laughs) anyway, that's it. Let's wrap it up. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Bye.